you're a man, you're a father, you're a brother, you're a son, you're a husband, you are a man. But in today's culture and society, what does that mean? How can you live an absolutely fulfilling life, maintain a passionate, intimate relationship, be a good dad, be the nice guy everyone expects you to be? and still be all you want to be as a man. In this podcast, we explore everything it means to be the best version of yourself as a man and still fulfill all the roles you want to fulfill with strength, courage, mastery, and honor. We are a tribe of awakened men. Here's your host, Scott Landis. This is Husband on Fire. That's cheesy, Daddy. Awesome. Hey, Scott, here we are again. Another episode of Husband on Fire podcast. This is what, yes. number seven? We're on episode seven. Seven's a good number, right? It is. I, I think so. What is it like? It's biblical. Is it completion? The number of completion? I think you're right. <laughs> let's hope this isn't the end of your podcast, sorry. Yeah. This is the end of your... <laughs> it's a perfect number, we'll say that. That's right, yeah. I've done seven. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. I've done seven. And um, But no, today, Eric Lopez, right? He's got Eric Lopez on. Tell us about yeah, Eric. Yeah, and he's a youth pastor. Um, he's a father. He's a husband, which is why he's qualified to be on the podcast yeah, yeah. but as a youth pastor I, I was like uh, when I heard that I was like I need to have you on the podcast because you're connected to like I have a 15 year old son yeah you're connected to kids in that junior high and high school age and I'm like clueless when yeah. it comes to that and I can't be the only one mm-hmm. uh, our listeners need to hear like what does a youth pastor know that yeah. we need to know yeah. about these kids? Absolutely. And it's going to go so much more than TikTok. <laughs> Although I'm learning TikTok you right are. now. I was I just was on a TikTok the other day. I'm trying to figure this out. Yeah. You know, but I think that's something that's critical, right? Yeah. You know that Gary Vee says you got to be on TikTok. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Gary Vee saying you got to be on TikTok. Uh, but you know, all of the the kids that are on TikTok, they're saying, "No, we don't want you on TikTok. Right. I mean, just don't show up and be someone trying to act like you're some, you yeah. know, trying to relate." Right? My middle child, <laughs> Allie, she, I, I was telling her, "Yeah, Gary V tells me I got to be on TikTok, so help me out. Let me get on TikTok." And she's like, "Dad, you don't want to be on TikTok." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> you don't know. This is marketing." Yeah. She's like, "It's not marketing." And yeah. I'm like, "Well, maybe Gary V's wrong." I, I love it, and she knows Gary V. No, she doesn't. Oh, I mean, she did the same because you know she's just twelve, so she knows right? everything else. I, know, I love it. I mean, well, TikTok is interesting, you know. I mean, because you know, kids don't want to be on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, they they you know they, they don't want to be on Instagram, right? Yeah. It's Snapchat, and then yeah. now it's TikTok, and, yeah. and then as parents, you know, we want to go over there and <laughs> and see that and some good humor on TikTok. But yeah. that being said. Um, I love this. I love this conversation, right? Yeah, I mean, why are you excited about How many about youth that? pastors are out there? I mean, a lot of times with youth pastors, you know, I mean, it's that's a tough that's a tough world, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the average amount of time, you know, that a youth a tenure or, or just even at one job for mm-hmm. a youth pastor. I mean, it's I, I remember talking to a couple friends of mine who were legendary youth pastors in the area. Both were at the same church for at least a minimum of ten years. Wow. 
And, and I was like, that's rare. And the common denominator between the both of them is their relationship with the senior pastor. Okay. Which, which I thought was interesting. But in that, it seems like, you know, boy, what a great opportunity is, is as a parent, you know, just dropping our kids off and you guys play games and you mm-hmm. do whatever you do. But, you know, what a great opportunity to be able to talk to us parents yeah. and help educate us. Like you just said, I mean, right. what do we need to know about kids? Yeah. You know, um, I think that is so valuable. I mean, I think it's going to be a great, had to been, I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah. One thing that he, uh, he, he mentioned, well, he said is the power of first mention. Mm. So uh, stay tuned for that because yeah. the power of first mention is a concept that I'd never heard of, but yeah. he, I had him describe that and it's so good. And uh, so that's in here. The power of first mention. And uh, that sounds like something again to kind of tee up mm-hmm. as far as, you know, if you're listening to this podcast episode that, you know, post a comment, mm, yes. talk about the power first mentioned in the comments, wherever you're listening yep. to this podcast, you know, and um, I can't wait to, to jump in on that. I'm not even sure I'm struggling though too right now as we're getting ready to, to tee this interview up, this conversation up with what, what do you think what would be a good uh, sponsor for this episode? Um, well, I'm thinking uh, based on first. Yeah, first. Um, bank? No. <laughs> bank. <laughs> it, it makes me think, isn't there a brand in baseball that has... It's, base, it, it's first base. It's brought to you by first base. <laughs> Probably it's brought to you by the actual base. The first... <laughs> The actual first base. It's one of our most, you know, lucrative sponsors we've yeah. ever had on the show. Well, you know, the thing I think about first base, Scott, is that, you know, we see this all the time. You know, the difference between, you know, players that are just, you know, that just are hungry mm-hmm. and those that just kind of mail it in. When you hit the ball, no matter if you're going to be thrown out or not, you run through that through base. face, first you base. You bring it all, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, you know, I think those that are awakened... Huh? Uh-huh. They run through that yeah. first base, yeah. right? Because they're just, they, they, whether they're out or not, they're going to give it their all. Right. They're putting them all out there. Yep. I think it's a fantastic idea for yeah. them. Who makes, for who makes, who actually makes bases? I don't know. But they, <laughs> I'm going to do some research. I'm going to deep dive on that one. They, they are a great sponsor. <laughs> yes, I have one of you. my favorites so far. Yeah, absolutely. Run through the first base. Well, this is going to be a great conversation. What mm-hmm. do you say we, we uh, dive in? I like it. Well, we are here with Eric Lopez. He is a youth pastor at Rock Creek. Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing that? Yeah, I've been at Rock Creek for three and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Nice. And what did you do before that? Uh, before that, my wife and I and uh, my family were down in Redding, California, and we were attending uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Oh, wow. And so we were there for about four years, um, just went to school, we were in the culture, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of uh, doing life down there in Redding. Nice. Mm-hmm. Four years. Four years, yeah. What was your biggest takeaway from life in Reading and Bethel? Uh, probably the community aspect. So in, in school, they do a really good job at kind of forcing you into community because you, you get into school, you're in a, what they call revival groups, which is about 60 people. And then from there, they break you down into smaller groups within that group. And so you're, it, it's, you're in, you're in the uh, environment where everybody's going after the same mission. You know, we all moved there from our respective homes and um, you just begin to do life together. And so it creates this, even though at first it feels a little forced, it creates this organic 
community uh, life where you're doing you're doing life with people and those people become your family. Mm-hmm. And so um, it definitely had had birthed a, a high value for community in our lives and doing doing life with people on a daily basis. Nice. So, yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Community's important. Um, you know, the I recently invited you to the Awaken Man Community Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Have you looked around at all? Yeah, I've checked out a little bit. And cool. so, yeah. So, what does uh, awakened man mean to you? When I think of the that term awakened man, I'm thinking of a man who is in, is solid in, in who he is, knowing. Um, you know who he is as a, as a man, who he is as a as a father, as a husband, uh, knowing you know what that role looks like, and so not just coasting through life, not just oh I'm married now I have a ring and that's not my role. Oh, I have kids now I'm a father, but actually recognizing I need to do this with intention. I need to do this uh, on purpose. I need to make sure that I'm building a legacy here with my family. Mm-hmm. And um, making sure that just everything is done on purpose and everything from, you know, why I'm going to work to why I'm, you know, taking this time to watch Netflix, you know, but every, just everything with intention. Cool. Well, I'm going to that's I love the definition. I'm going to put you on the spot because I had a really tough case earlier today. OK. Uh, and uh, the guy is an awakened man. He's following. He's trying his best to follow what you just said. Yeah. And um, as an entrepreneur, uh, his wife isn't completely on board with it. In fact, that's understating it. Not on board at all mm-hmm. with uh, his passions, him pursuing his passions. So, mm-hmm. you know, my coaching for him, uh, wanting to be an awakening man, is you know you gotta you gotta get focused on what what uh, is there that's important to you that you really need to you know, tap into to be fully alive and he's been doing that and she's um, not too happy about some of his ventures. Hmm. Um, Now, uh, the coaching that I'm giving him is around the interaction between him and her, right? Like some of your responses to her could could be different. You know, you know that was uh, something you could have said differently. Try this next time. So I've been giving him that kind of coaching, but I'm curious what your thoughts are when you have a husband and wife who, you know, one has serious convictions about what they're wanting to do in life. Um, You know, whether it be business, ministry, you know, purpose, passion, whatever that is. And, um, And she or one of them is, you know, not on board with that like Mm. what's your thoughts on that i think the most one of the most important things in marriage and any marriage is unity and so for me if if that were me and my spouse and i was pursuing something that my wife wasn't on board with or couldn't see the vision behind one i'd ask myself have i clearly communicated my heart behind wanting to do this thing have i have i clearly communicate my why do i know my why Mm -hmm. is it worth me going to battle for this thing um and if it is great so so let me clearly communicate that and um but ultimately i need her to be on board with me i need her to be to be alongside with me and and my wife who loves me who wants to support me once she knows my why is going to is going to support me in that but if she doesn't i have to ultimately trust that um now we're talking about a marriage that is is healthy in communication sure i have to ultimately trust that she's seen something maybe that I don't maybe mm. she maybe she is seeing a risk in it or or it's it's more than her just not valuing it um and 
I then have to then figure out well, where's that disconnection because if I then pursue that thing whatever it is ministry uh, you know uh, a business or, or whatever and she's not on the same page then it, I, I may be as successful as I want to be in that thing but if, if my home is going to be you know the foundation is going to be rocked mm-hmm. and um, that for me that is just not worth the cost sure. you know it, for I, from in, in any in any form of ministry any form of, of success is not worth shaking that foundation and so it might be something I have to lie down for another time or not pursue at all mm-hmm. and so I think that's really good advice I I, uh, I have done the mistake you said to avoid mm-hmm. uh, you know I, well I I wasn't cognizant of, a, of the time uh, I wasn't actively saying well you know, wife, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to do sure, this anyways. Sure. It was just more like I wasn't picking up on the clues. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't being like totally a roadblock. She was just like giving me like, oh, I don't know about that. You know, I, you know, she's challenging it very softly. Right, right. Which, you know, is a great, a great way for her to be. Yeah. Uh, I actually appreciate that now. Um, but back then, I didn't pick up on the clue. Like, right. oh, I need to be aware of what she's saying. Yeah, I mean, she's she's uh, a part my partner in this, right? Mm-hmm. So I need to know, I need to know that she's got a perspective and she's got intuition and she's got, you know, whatever that woman thing is that that men don't have that, you know, I, I it enhances my ability to move forward, enhances my ability to be successful. Yeah. And sometimes it slows me down, mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing. Um, I've learned that through the mistake of ignoring sure. it. And yeah. you know, for us, ignoring it meant losing a lot, losing almost everything. Yeah. So uh, it's a it's a lesson I haven't I will not forget. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, so my advice for the the guy I'm referencing here, a little bit different situation. Um, you know, just to keep it short, uh, I, I said, okay, manage the tension yeah. between what you really want and that, you know, if, you know, if, if she wasn't in his life, he would just go full on. Absolutely. But with her in his life, I said, you have to be a good steward of, you know, the gifts that you have and that you have this woman in your life who's slowing you down. Mm-hmm. You got to manage, you know, your desires and, and her desires um, not necessarily for him. You know, sometimes I think giving it up, setting it aside is, is the right answer. For him, I was saying, you know, don't get rid of that because you've already tried that. It didn't work before. Mm-hmm. Keep that passion alive, but, you know, still honor her. So hard to do. Right. Almost like not possible, right? Mm-hmm. But it's that like guiding that guiding light that you keep striving for absolutely any any other thoughts well i guess the thing i was i was going to add to that is that we we can't discredit the fact that we've all chosen a mate hopefully we've chosen a mate that is ultimately going to learn us and and begin to know us sometimes better than we know ourselves oh yeah and so the thing that i always try to remember is that my wife know she's she's been with me for 15 years now you know married for 13 of those years and she's you know, we got married very young as well. So she's seen me grow up in, in, in my manhood. Um, and so she can recognize red flags sometimes when I don't see them or when I want to ignore them and say, yeah, I, you know, I can compromise on that because mm-hmm. I really want to do this thing. Um, but allowing her to kind of put the brakes on some of those things has been very good and helpful. Mm-hmm. I don't always like it. And I, I very much not always approach it in a graceful way. 
But when I take a step back and look at it or look back on those moments, I could appreciate, okay, that was good that my wife kind of challenged me and, Mm -hmm. um, and spoke, spoke into a situation that maybe, or or words that maybe I didn't want her Mm -hmm. or want to hear, but it was good ultimately. Yeah, I think that's, that's really good. And you're talking about, you have a really, um, from, from what I've heard so far, really healthy, thriving marriage Mm -hmm. for our guys that are, um, might be listening to this, that, um, you know, maybe he's, maybe the marriage has suffered Mm -hmm. and that's sort of why he's like, I need, I need something. Uh, He finds husband on fire podcast, right? And um, he's looking for something to fix something that's not necessarily healthy. And that's a really tough place to be in. Right. Some of the stuff you're saying, it's like telling somebody who's $100,000 in debt, here's how to have uh, a million dollars or a billion dollars. Right. It's like so far from where they are. So yeah. just want to be sensitive to like, yes, that's ideal. That's the dream, right? Keep, yeah. keep focused on that. And um while you're in this situation of transitioning from like it's not working to mm-hmm. like stepping up as a man like that's the vision yeah what what uh what you just said eric is the vision for for our guy who's listening and and right now where he's at you know we just want to encourage him and be like uh dude this is going to be the hardest thing you do but you know commit to just stepping up and and she'll follow along mm-hmm. uh, eventually so um back to you <laughs> Um, so yes, you are an awakened man, and uh, so uh, I appreciate you being a part of the awakened man community and yeah. and the tribe we're looking to build. I'm looking for uh, anybody who wants to like uh, help build that idea. Like we need to link arms together as men to make a difference on culture, of course, our own relationships, our own families, but ultimately, uh, I think a lot of problems in the culture and society are a lack of guys like us getting together and like talking about what's real and what's right so i appreciate that um with that um one of the things that we talked about before is um my my concern i think you have this uh, similar concern about the next generation Mm -hmm. and as a youth pastor that was the reason i wanted to have you on the show the first reason was you know that next generation when we think about the ideas of what people between you know 35 and 50 are uh, struggling with in their relationships communication men woman uh, masculinity femininity the the tensions and the conflicts between that the stuff that's going on in culture um, you know the messages that we're getting it's challenging enough for people that that kind of are grew up in you know before before all this technology and before all these culture shifts for somebody who is like your oldest is 11 my oldest is 15 i'm looking at those kids and i'm thinking okay by the time they get to marriage Mm -hmm. wow what's it gonna be like and so you got a real good pulse on that and i think um some of our listeners are gonna be interested in what you have to say so what's your what's your thoughts about you, you said the power first mentioned but tell us what what your um, thoughts are about what's coming up in the next generation? Yeah, you know, I think I think we we're, we're seeing it. You know, we're in the you know one of the big the biggest communication shifts that we've seen. And some would say since like the printing press, right? Like, and so it's just everything coming at us with uh, social media, with the internet, and everything, which I think is great. I I love it all, uh, but I think that w- again, using that word intention, we have to be intentional, and so 
parenting and, and, and all, as well as another form of parenting being in youth ministry, even though I'm not their parent, I'm definitely uh, a form of a parent, I guess, is, is making sure that we are communicating openly about these things and, and creating a safe place for these kids to communicate. And so in my home, for instance, I want to make sure that I'm creating a space for my kids to feel safe and, and not to uh, try to be a perfect kid, but to be um, to live to live a life of excellence. But when they do make a mess, because they will make a mess, to be able to come to mom, to be able to come to dad, and mm-hmm. say, "I made a mess," and then we are we're able to work through it, rather than live this life where, "Hey, we're this perfect family, and I'm this perfect kid, and I never can make a mess." And when I do make a mess, I'm just going to hide it because mm-hmm. I want you to continue seeing this thing where I'm an amazing kid. Um, I don't want that. I want to make sure my kids feel, and my wife as well. We want to make sure our, our kids feel like. They can come to us and that and that they can no matter what it is and so the power of first mention is actually a phrase my wife introduced me to and um you know she she homeschools her kids and and that's her passion she absolutely loves it real quick for context what are the ages of your kids yeah so my oldest daughter is 11 and my son is nine and then i have a two-year-old daughter Mm -hmm. and so um so she's my wife's at home with the kids she loves you know being with them and it's been her dream before you know she was of age to have kids to to be a mom she just is one of those women and um and so she introduced this thought power first mention in regard in 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 relation to homeschooling in re, in relation to when I, what I'm teaching them they're they're going to that's the power first mention we began talking about it like that really applies to every lesson we want to teach our kids and when it comes to you know hard conversations like sexuality for instance like hey let us be the first ones to talk to you about what sex is and what is appropriate touch and 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 all these things so they don't have to go learn it from tv from their friends from school like i love that the schools make it uh available and they want to to in some ways teach about sexuality Mm -hmm. but that's not their job that's my job Mm -hmm. and um, my hope would be that whether it be uh, schools or church or whatever that, that those things are really echoing what I'm saying mm-hmm. and that my kids are getting uh, the uh, their foundation from home first so that when they do go out in the world and they do get hit with conflicting ideas, they are able to put that thing up to what what, the, what their identity is, to their foundation, mm-hmm. and recognize, oh, that doesn't match. So I actually know that's not the thing I'm supposed to be doing or that I'm, what I'm supposed to be saying or whatever that thing is that's challenging. Right. Um, so the power of first mention, um, do you say those terms with your kid? Does, no. Okay, so that's just a concept you talk about. Yeah. Okay. So, but but what I'm hearing is it's the idea of you're speaking some, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. I think, speaking some identity into them by by saying uh, here's what here's what uh, we believe about sexuality here's what we believe yeah. about you know fill in the blank education healthcare whatever mm-hmm. and so by the time they hear it somewhere else they're like that that resonates that's who I am right that that's that's what mom and dad are about that's what I'm mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. that resonates and then somebody something that comes in that's not uh, connected to that they're like wait that's different like right. um, so have you, well, with your kids going to be in homeschool, um, have you had a, a conversation yet where they're like, you know, I heard, I heard, you know, X when I, I believe Y, you know, has, has that happened yet where you've had that conversation? Yeah. So, you know, 
it, them being homeschooled, they could give off the appearance like, oh, they're just these sheltered kids, which they're very much not. Um, you know, we, I, I'm actually almost like to a fault against Christian movies, to tell you the truth. Okay. I, I hate all Christian movies for the most part. <laughs> um, and so... I don't think you can say that as a oh, pastor. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, and so all I'd say, like, my kids honestly were raised on, like, watching The Office. And okay. so, I mean, and do with that what you will. It's worked for us uh-huh. and my kids. And I... There's a lot of life lessons in The Office. There absolutely is. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, the, so, so all that to be said is that... We, again, with the power first mention is that they'll see something on, for instance, the show like The Office, which on that show, there's alcoholism, there's adultery, there's homosexuality, you know, everybody's sleeping with each I mean, it, it's just, it's a worldly show, but it's funny. We'll take a show like that and we'll say, okay, great. They mentioned this thing and we'll pause and we'll take those moments and we'll say, hey, do you guys know what that means? Like, let's talk about that. Interesting. And let's, let's, let, you know, and, and, and we also have had moments with other movies as well, because it's just the same, you know, I don't want to make it seem like we're just letting them watch whatever we have boundaries. Um, but you know, we'll watch movies that have, you know, uh, people that are, are making impure decisions, if you will. Do you have a, a specific conversation that was particular and impactful that comes to mind? Yes. We were watching the show, um, called Community. And um, on this show, the, the premise of the show, they're at a community college and whatnot. And there was this topic, uh, it was a very sexual heavy episode and the condoms kept coming up. It gets kept coming up over and over. And I was like, my kids, they know what sex is. They don't know what condoms are. Interesting. And 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 so, and, it, and my wife's been very good about making sure my kids are aware of what the, the idea of sex is at mm-hmm. a very young age, just because... Mm-hmm. That's, that's just how we've chosen to do it. So we paused that episode and I said, okay, do you guys know what condoms are? And they said, no, of course. I said, great, we're going we're gonna to talk about it. And I explained to them, this is, this is what condoms are used for. And this is why they're bringing it up right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've gained this trust with our, within, with our kids that they also know that if they ask us a question that we're not comfortable mm-hmm. or not, maybe not comfortable, we don't feel that it's necessary for them to know right then and there. Okay. We'll ask them the question, do you trust us that, uh, for us to keep this until the right time to tell mm-hmm. you that you would just trust us that, that you maybe don't need to know what that is right now. Okay. Um, and then, and then we'll talk about that maybe at a later time. Mm-hmm. And so then they can kind of put that away and, mm-hmm. and then at a later date we can talk about it. So, so it sounds like based on the kind of culture you've set up at home, like if they, if they say, yes, uh, I'll trust you. Like they might have this burning question, right? Mm-hmm. But then mom and dad said, Oh, it's not, not the time. So um, my my psychology goes, you know, which might be completely different than theirs because different back, background ex- and upbringing, but would go to like, oh, that sounds more intriguing than right. it ever was before. Right. Um, so what's the kind of the policy on that? Like um, you, you said you don't want them to feel like they can't talk to you, but if they already brought it up, like, and, and they want to bring it up again, how does that work? Right. I think, you know, we haven't had to face that yet, but if, if they were, if there was a topic and they were really pressing, like, no, we really feel like we want to know, um, you know, we, we would then, my wife and I would then take the time to discuss it between each other to say, Mm -hmm. do we feel like we should bring this up? You know, an instance would be when my wife was reading, uh, when we were in ministry school, we had a lot of reading to do. So sometimes my wife would read the kids to some of our, our books that we would have Mm -hmm. given to us by the school. 
Um, and in one of the one of the books, the person was talking about a trauma they had experienced, and the the word rape had come up. Mm. And my kid, you know, my daughter was like five, my son was three, and I was just, and I was like, well, like let's let's pause on that. Yeah. I don't really want, you know, let I don't, I'm not ready for that. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that's that was an instance where we had to talk about my wife and I talk about okay, like does our kid really need to know like the premise of this idea, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, because we want them to know what appropriate touches. No, because that could be traumatic for a kid to understand that that happens in the world. Mm-hmm. And we also want to make sure we protect their innocence. Right. Um, and so, it, again, it's a case by case. You know, mm-hmm. it, it might come down to like, sorry, I know you really want to know, but we're just not going to talk about this right mm-hmm. now. And we'll visit this in a year or two or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not easy parenting. is <laughs> Parenting it's, it's is not. like... You know, it's only very recently where I've had enough experience to be able to, like, talk about, like, or give advice. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. being in marriage work for, like, the last decade, we hear, oh, do you guys do parenting? And we're we're always like, well, first of all, we haven't, you know, experienced it enough, but we're really focused on marriage. And so our parenting advice has been, like, a blanket statement of take care of your marriage and, you know... I don't know what will happen to the kids, but I, I think if you take care of your marriage, they'll be okay, right? Sure, yeah. Because um, I've seen enough, like, uh, uh, you know, the marriage didn't work out and the, uh, the the fallout for the kids to know that at least that's true. Sure. But we're finally, you know, we finally got some experience under our belts where we're like, I, I have some stuff to say. Cool. Um, but uh, I still, you know, still definitely don't feel like an expert in parenting. No. But as a as a youth pastor, you've got you get insight. What's the age or age of your kids that you work with? Uh, so we start them in middle school to high school. Cool. Yes, yeah, so all yeah. the way through. So you're right in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, so anything else about like what your thoughts are about the next generation and you know concerns or um, concerns and strategies? You know, so if most of us aren't you know dealing with the age range of kids uh, that you are to the depth that you are. So mm-hmm. if I've got a 15 year old, I'm all ears as far as like, what do I need to know? Right. I think my concern for this next generation is them, for them finding their identity in something that mm. is, is unrealistic. And so, you know, I don't know if you heard this app, TikTok. Yeah. Your kids. Okay. It's the biggest thing right now. Every kid is on it. Um, kids are making, there are certain, not a lot of them. Some teenagers out there are making lots of money being on TikTok, wow. you know? And so there's this, there's this group of, of teenagers um, that imagine dropped out of high school. They moved to LA and they get paid by TikTok and advertisers and they, they it's called the Hype House. And that's their, that's their job. They make TikTok videos. Um, wow. And so, yeah, so... You, you see that in it in, in it what it's what we're seeing a shift from is kids are go, are less focused on oh I need to get through high school get to college so I can get my career and more like oh I'm seeing YouTube star getting famous mm-hmm. I'm seeing TikTok star getting famous and so they're 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 and that's just a fantasy land you know yeah. it's just like anything else you know the amount of, the percentage of kids that are going to make it to the NBA NFL all that stuff right mm-hmm. it's the same applies to the amount of the percentage that's going to make it famous on TikTok. Um, and so my concern is just kids not knowing who they are, you mm-hmm. know, and, and again, going back to parenting is, is parents knowing who they are and then being able to instill that into their children. Um, 
And so um, as well as what's happening in this generation with social media is the rate of, of depression we're seeing. And I, th- I think it's linked to um, the amount of comparison that's happening. You know, you get on social media, you see this person's living this life or they have this amount of likes or whatever the thing is. And because they don't know how to do life outside of their phone that's in front of them, mm-hmm. um, they're not building community. And so we're losing a piece of that. We're, we're losing um, an element of a big element of community in this day and age because there's so many, uh, so many virtual ways to have community that you don't actually have to do life with person to person yeah. because you can get on a social media platform. You can get on, you know, they don't have chat rooms anymore, really, but you can get on, you know, like different things like there's I don't know if you've heard of Twitch. There's mm-hmm. stuff like that where like kids play video games and people watch them play oh, video yeah, games, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. and 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 stuff like that. And so you you could only you could build this fantasy world around you where oh I have people around me, right. but you really have no one around you, right? Right. And then they go to school and then they don't know how to interact with one another and they don't know how to actually build community mm-hmm. and um, they be, they feel lonely. And so there's just so many things where um, that although I again I, I love what social media and I love technology and all that stuff, but it's checks and balances if you're not checking in with your kid mm-hmm. or checking in with these students and just let them go down that that with that path without any guidance mm-hmm. it, it's dangerous so i'm a uh, i'm a parent listening to this and everything you're saying is like just like crashing in on me <laughs> mentally because it's sure. like oh my gosh my kid is so right there like yeah. what do i do what's the give me one thing i can do i, I boundaries Boundaries, okay. Giving your kids boundaries. How does that work? I so I think that to, to just to give your kid a phone or a device and say, okay, you know, have fun, you know, and not have these limitations on your kids is mm-hmm. is one of the just unhealthiest thing you can do for your home, you know. Um, so the kids that you um, that uh, that you work with, like mm-hmm. what do, what do you advise them? Um, I'm assuming you advise them directly, maybe involve their parents, but. You, you can see that there's kids that are maybe needing this advice. What do you say to them? Yeah, limit. I'm, I'm just telling them to limit their time. Okay. Lim- so you know, having practically, have, how do they do that? Practically say, hey, you know, maybe you don't spend so much time on your video games. Set a timer for yourself. Okay. You know, um, and what's the reception of that? I mean, some of them receive it, some of them don't. Again, I can only speak, I can only have so much influence. Mm-hmm. If the parents are implementing the stuff at home, mm-hmm. I everything I'm saying is a lost cause. Sure. Okay. And so, as a parent, it, it's, it's your job ultimately to set the culture in your home. Uh-huh. If the culture in your home is, hey, you're able to have as much media time as you want, then that's the culture in your home. If the culture in your home is, hey, we're going to limit that uh-huh. to to however long, whatever your parameters are, um, then then that becomes a culture. But it has to be consistency. I think, mm-hmm. you, I think you know as well that consistency is a big key when it comes to kids sure. from the time they're young to, the, to when they get old. And so setting that thing and the why behind it, if it's mm-hmm. just like, hey, do this, and there's no why behind it, then your kid's going to be like, what the heck? Like, I don't understand. I was able to spend however much time I want on social sure. media, and now you're putting these restrictions on me, and you're just like, because I said so. Right. You know that whole do as I do as I say, uh, not as I do. That is not a form of parenting that has ever worked. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of us probably can say that's how our parents have done it, 
um, it really needs to be an uh, example as well. We need to sure. be living that in our own life as well. And 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 for me, again, to be to be someone that is... Uh, uh, my wife has no problem with not being on social media. Half the time, she doesn't know what her phone is. <laughs> me, it's, it has to be a very conscious thing. Okay, yeah. so when I'm home, if we're watching a show, my phone's in another room. I'm, I'm making that an example for my kids sure. that I'm here doing this thing. Right. You know, I, I play video games. I like to play Xbox. Okay. I'm going to limit that as well because mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't want to just waste my day away. And so that's the culture we're setting in our home. Video games, media, it's not bad, just within, within limits. Okay. So if you think about the ideal scenario, um, you know, if you think about the most successful family or kid that you have seen uh, in your group, uh, like what are the give just so we have a benchmark like what is what is I know every family has to make this decision for themselves sure. but the time like give us an idea of what it, what it should be the time of the time frame of yeah how, those how limitations specifically like is it 30 minutes a day or oh what yeah is it? I would say I would say two hours is good and maybe not consistently two hours and so for instance, two hours of screen time of screen time or, okay yes okay but I would say that's not included with like family screen time. Mm. For instance, my family connects over watching movies and shows. If I give my son an hour to play Xbox or to be on his iPod, I'm not saying, hey, we can't watch a movie later because you already had an hour screen time. No, that's separate. You did that on your own. Now we're having a us time and we're going to watch a movie and a show. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, so I, I think an hour to two hours is fine. I think it's okay to have days where you're like whatever we have we definitely have days in our home where it's like it's a free fall it's a free fall <laughs> we're gonna watch whatever however long and okay. be on whatever and that's okay it's just when you make that a habit yeah i mean it, it just it, it does something to the family where you guys aren't con- aren't connected and i think that's the goal is that we would be a connected family and mm-hmm. so it can't just be no screen time but we're not going to be connected. It has yeah. to be no screen time with purpose yeah. because we're going to be connected as a family. Find something to do as a family. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's good. All right. So um, you you have some thoughts about healthy communication. So back to like the marriage uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, give... Give me an uh, uh, an idea of kind of your upbringing, just so we have an identity um, context for you. Like, um, what did you bring? Where did you come from, and what did you bring into your marriage? Okay. And what uh, what kind of adjustments did you have to do? What did you have to learn along the way? Um, and I'm looking for that nugget of like, what's What's something uh, a husband that's listening to this can can really take away? But before we get there, I want to hear like where you came from. Yeah, so um, I my mom primarily raised me. My biological dad had never been in the picture. Okay. <laughs> Maybe early, early on when I was a baby, but he never was involved. Um, and so my mom primarily raised me. My grandma helped in a bit with a, a big part in that. Did um, you have brothers and sisters? I had a little sister, um, and so my mom did eventually get married and from that came my little sister seven years uh below me so very much um i i definitely fell in that like only child mentality i think there's something where like after a certain point that's kind of how it operates um but yeah so she was she was around when i was seven and then um never really had a father figure in my life my mom you know remarried down the road and um i just focused on on being you know being raised by my mom so with that came 
there was a void for sure being being raised without a dad and I looked for that not knowing I was doing that obviously what high school knows are doing this but looking back on it now I, I was really seeking like a love connection with somebody mm. most high schoolers want to hook up make out whatever you know your typical high schooler I was looking for that but I was looking for that with I want to meet my high school sweetheart that I'm going to be with for four years and that we're going to get married after this. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you were looking for a deeper connection. I was looking for a deeper right. connection, yes. And so um, with that came, you know, I, I was in a long-term relationship in high school and um, I we broke up shortly after I graduated and I brought into my marriage once I met my wife, which it was shortly after high school when we started dating, um, I, I had some unhealthy views of what relationship looked like, Interesting, you know? And so for one, I, I had this deep desire to be loved and to really love somebody, which my wife brought, but I, I really had this, this, this idea of, of what it needs to look like. And I was very, I wasn't patient at all. I didn't want to wait for anything. I didn't want to wait to move in together. I didn't want to wait. Like, I just wanted, let's just start living life together mm-hmm. now. And so um, you got to get to that ideal yes. as soon as possible. And absolutely anything that comes, maybe she puts the brakes on it. You're like feeling what? Like, oh, uh, I'm feeling unloved. Okay. I'm feeling, you know, like just, you don't want to be with me. Okay. I mean, that came with us moving in together. We mm-hmm. ultimately did move in together um, at a young age, but she definitely, my, my wife has become a lot more, uh, strong in her communication now but back when she was 18 19 she was very passive very like you know if she brought something and it it, it brought any strife she was re- she was ready to backpedal and mm-hmm. so and that's what happened and so you've been married 13 years married 13 years how long total uh how long have we been together total uh-huh. 15 years okay yeah so got, got together when we were 18 married when we were 20 and um and so, yeah, so definitely had to work through that and figure out. And at the same time, you know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't going to church or, or following Jesus or anything like that early in our relationship. And so I definitely had some, I didn't know in my mind what it re- really meant to have a healthy relationship. Um, so to make a long story short, if you think about from that's one of the bookends, that's kind of where you started. Mm-hmm. Today, you have uh, a really great thriving marriage. You, you built a great culture mm-hmm. around your home. Um, and so what are maybe the top one or two or three, like fill in the, the gap between like yeah. where you were mm-hmm. uh, and how you... You know, what were the big milestones that got you to the kind of husband and father and overall guy you are today? Yeah, uh, it's going to sound cliche, but communication. Communication. Okay. Uh, yeah, can't. I mean, it, there's a reason why it's cliche because it just it, it's the number one thing. Okay. So, so what is it to you? We had to learn how to communicate with one another fully what we need and well, one know our needs, but then two be able to communicate our needs. Okay. Good. And so you know, uh, I think at at first it was it was very hard. We, I didn't know. I knew how to be a really great um, boyfriend, really great fiance. I did not know how to be a really great husband, and part of that was communicating. And so um, I learned very early on that if I don't learn how to communicate this thing and that if my wife doesn't learn how to communicate this thing, this is going to be very hard. And so it probably what that probably took a good five, six years before we really like, oh, we need to fully express what we're feeling inside, even if it hurts the other person. Mm. And obviously there's a way to communicate those things. And so that's the other side of it. 
but first knowing like what is happening on the inside what do i need to say what do i what do i want from her what is the expectation that i have of her and whatnot and being able to communicate that thing okay so um and then i think with that just expectations i think knowing what um what i'm expecting from my spouse and knowing what she's expecting from me um those kind of go hand in hand but they are two different things Mm -hmm. but um because you have to then communicate those things but uh realizing that i need to have realistic expectations for my wife Mm -hmm. um and she needs to have realistic expectations of me she's not going to meet all of my needs um and she's not supposed to I, I have that's why I'm I have other people around me I have mm-hmm. other other communities around me and so knowing that that my wife is I, I can have very strong expectations on her but knowing that there's other expectations that I need to go find those are going to need to fulfill obviously you know in, in a healthy way mm-hmm. um, but and, and so yeah so those two things I think have been have been the big the big like you know foundational pieces in our marriage is communication expectations and then you know, marrying those two together. So as a man in general, Mm -hmm. so the kind of man you are today compared to the man you were when you got married, um, uh, there's been, uh, from what I can tell, uh, you, you started off, you mentioned, uh, this need for deep connection and anything that looked like it was going to threaten that, um, put you maybe into, you know, not a great state. Yeah. <laughs> so um, somewhere along the way, you must have had an identity shift or um, what shifted within you? I'm looking for the internal part of it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what it comes down to, what shifted in me was my relationship with Jesus. Okay. Um, so How did that help? Yeah. I, I, I began to have to take an, inner, an, an, an internal uh, just... Look at what's happening on who I am, what I need, who, who, what, what, what's work been working for me as a young man? What's working for well, I was I'm transitioning into man, man, what's working in there? Um, I partnered that relationship with Jesus with when my wife got pregnant with our firstborn. Because at that point, um, I think I would say I was a solid person and, and knew who I was, but I realized the second that we were going to bring another human being into this world <laughs> that there were things I wanted to impart into her and I wouldn't have used those words then, but I, I, I look at now, this is what I was trying to do that. I didn't have yet to give her. Okay. So I spent that time to your daughter, to my daughter. Okay. Yes. So I spent that time, uh, developing myself as a man, falling more in love with Jesus, you know, reading my Bible, really getting to figure out, trying my best to figure out what that meant to be a Christian man so that when my daughter came into the earth, I was able to then be that be a, a fuller man than I okay. was before. So connect the dots, though. Um, so you, you said falling more in love with Jesus, um, and you know, getting into the Bible uh, created. I mean, there's there's a there's a a dot that needs to be connected from that to you have all that you need to you know, impart into your daughter, like, what is the, what are those things, or what is the one thing? I mean, I think the simplest thing I can, and I know that, I know that um, the audience isn't fully, it, it won't, might not fully understand this, but it, for me, it comes down to encounter. Encounter? Encounter. Okay. So encountering who Jesus is. Okay. Actually taking a moment to uh, stop and, and, and hear his voice and, and listen to him. 
And so in that so having sound, a real experience, a real relationship experience with Jesus. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and that and that may seem super way out there, super you know only the super spiritual people can do that. But I have the conviction that any person that is willing, uh-huh. Jesus can speak to. And it it's not going to be an audible voice. Some okay. people can, and I have not. But it can be a picture. It can be a word that pops in my, in, my, in my mind. It could be, you know, a, a scene from a movie, Jesus pops into my mind. And so that is that is where I begin to, uh, begin to see what it is that Jesus wanted to speak into me when I was able to pause and take that moment. In, in, while I was reading the word, while I was just stopping and being quiet, while I was journaling, to begin to, to stop and listen to what he was saying. Interesting. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I think an awakened man uh, has a shift when, when he starts to say, you know what, I do need that awakened man experience. I need that. I need, I need to step up. I need to be whatever that is mm-hmm. um, because what I'm doing is not working, right? So this is obviously a part of your journey to get there. Um, And uh, I think that there's a huge identity piece to that. And I'm I'm, I'm understanding that your experience, you know, having, like you said, an encounter, like puts you face to face or, um, you know, experientially at least face to face with Jesus, God. and but what did that do to your identity? Talk about what the shift was within you. Yeah. So I think what it did for my identity is he began to speak because in my mind, in 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 my understanding of when I follow Jesus, is he begins to see me past who I think I am. And so he speak he began speaking he began speaking the truths about me that I may not even one know or two believe. Okay, great. And so I, I have, again, this conviction that I can't afford to have a thought in my mind that he doesn't have about me. And so when I'm in self-loathing or when I might be in depression or might be whatever that thing is, I know that that voice that I may be hearing is not Jesus because that's not how he speaks to me. So in that moment as a young man, I went, I was beginning to go on a journey where I was I was hearing for the first time words spoken over my life about who I am, who he sees me as, okay. or how he sees me. He sees me as a son. He sees me as perfect. He sees me as, you know, uh, without flaw. He sees me uh, uh, in my insecurities. You know, uh, he sees me as good looking. He sees me as all these things that I may not always see myself as. Okay. And then I was able, why I relate that to my daughter, because then I was re- able to bring that out and say, okay, this is my experience. This is my encounter you know, my wife as well, her encounter, and this is where we're able to bring into mm. now our, our lives. Cool. And so, so some of the, um, the disconnects between who you were mm-hmm. and who you were hearing you are, mm-hmm. right? So that kind of bringing you up, uh, to a whole man, you were a man who needed this, at least the perceiving was this deep connection to be okay, so to speak, right? Right. And um, when you realized, I'm extrapolating, right? But when you realized you were okay already, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's what I'm hearing you got in that relationship with Jesus, that that you kind of, well, one of the things that we talk about in Awakened Man community is like 
filling your cup, bringing to the relationship a full cup rather than having the relationship fill your cup, right? Yeah, so right. before, you were needing the relationship with mm -hmm. your wife Absolutely. or significant other to feel okay, but then you found this relationship with Jesus that kind of uh, brought you to a place of full, Absolutely. a whole man with or without her. Yeah. And now you're able to, to pour into your daughter. Absolutely. And I assume your wife as well. Yeah, for sure. So awesome. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, I hope I hope uh, a guy who's listening or watching um, who's in a place where he's like not sure how to experience that, maybe that's uh, one of the things he can check out. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else to add to that? Um, I mean, I think, you know, you use your expression, the cup is full. I mean, again, don't want to get super spiritual, but I would say the cup is overflowing. And nice. so I, that's, that's the vision I get in my mind is it. that it's not, you know, I serve a God that doesn't give me just enough, but more than enough. And so, which is in turn why uh, it's able, it's able to overflow into whatever I'm doing. Cool. So, so what is your, um, what is your future maybe what's next um a lot of times um you know on podcasts the guest has something they are promoting or um you know have a place where people can connect to you yeah. if they want to connect to you more or uh know what you're doing is 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 there something like that that you have yeah well I, like i said i'm on you know social media platforms okay. um the eric lopez on on instagram and the eric lopez, the eric lopez. Okay. yeah with periods in between the words we'll um, get that in the show notes yeah it'd be great and so i mean my wife actually and i have we have a podcast of her own really yeah uh, it's called the lopez sit down okay and uh you can find it on uh, itunes and spotify and YouTube and in really in that podcast it's it's just a conversation between her and I we we pick various topics sometimes we'll have guests on from ministry school or, or friends from back home and it's just a podcast where we talk about life we try to be encouraging and insightful and, and kind of like what you're doing not necessarily trying to hit you know the Christian community but try to hit like hey maybe you're just a person that needs some encouragement you know and we're talking about marriage parenting you know, we talk, you know, we bring our kids on and get their aspect on, on <laughs> some awesome. of this stuff. And so, um, yeah, we've been doing that for almost a year now and it's cool. been a really fun thing. And so, yeah. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. Anything, any parting words? Um, you know, to the, uh, you know, the awakened man community, I think again, going back to what, how I started with the word intention, you know, make sure that we are being men of intention okay. and that, nothing on life is happening by accident um you know and and if if there's no marriage that's too far gone to be saved no relationship with your child no relationship in general that's too far to be saved you know i i think that if if we can be men that uh attack life with intention mm. then then i think not to say we won't face trials because life's going to happen but nevertheless, that will be a lot more better off internally in mm -hmm. our hearts, knowing that this was on purpose, even if I failed, at mm -hmm. least I failed on purpose. Um, and so, so yeah, I love that. holding that, that intention word is, yeah. is good. It's like taking a stand for hope, Yeah. hope in whatever mm -hmm. the, um, if there's dire circumstances, standing for that hope, mm -hmm. uh, like like how you're saying, um, being intentional about that and being intentional about all sorts of things. Yeah. That's good. 
Well, Eric, I appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Yep. Hey, man. Thank you for listening to Husband on Fire podcast. Have you downloaded your copy of the Relationship Secrets Black Book yet? If you haven't, I don't know what you're waiting for. This is getting raving reviews. And in fact, I'm, I'm just very proud of this because I developed a system that helps husbands to restore their relationship, to get their relationship sparked back. It's a step-by-step system that I've literally had men pay me hundreds or thousands of dollars to coach them through this. And I put the process, the step-by-step process in this book, and you can go get it for free right now. It's not going to be free forever. What are you waiting for? Go get your copy at husbandonfire.com slash black book. That's husbandonfire.com slash black book. Go now.